0: A woo a hand clap or a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. Last week, Don, Wesley, Logan, and I were traveling. We were in Washington, D.C., and we were visiting with one of my aunts and seeing the many sites in Washington. In the three, seems like short days we were there, we went to the Air and Space Museum. We visited the new African American Museum that's there. We walked pretty much the entire mall from the Air and Space all the way down to the Lincoln Memorial, which is, is about a two mile walk. We were all very, well, Don and I were very sore. <laughs> Uh, we also saw the World War II Memorial, the Vietnam Memorial, and the Lincoln Memorial. visited the zoo toward the Capitol building, and if we were there another week, we may scratch the surface of what there is to do there in Washington, D.C. We got home Tuesday evening, and then on Wednesday, we packed Logan off to go to Williamsburg. So he's been gone all week, and of the four of us, he's the one that least enjoys museums in history, I think, so... I'm sure he's grateful to be home at last. And really, we're all grateful to be back here this morning. Two weeks ago, when I began the study on 1 John, I was a little hesitant to begin an introduction and then leave a week for vacation. So when I returned, I was pleased to hear that Matt Larkin last week spoke on First John, the same verses that I spoke on the week before just a little bit different, because I was doing an introduction, and he was speaking a little bit more about a message in 1 John. So I come to the conclusion that there must be something in 1 John that God wants us to hear. So today, please turn to 1 John chapter 1. Today we'll be studying the remainder of chapter 1 and just the first two verses in chapter 2. But before I read those verses, I want to remind us of John's introduction in the first four verses. John tells us that Christ, the word of life, has eternally existed with the Father. But he appeared in flesh, and John saw him and touched him and testified to this fact. John testifies to this so that people can hear his testimony and share in the Christian fellowship with him and with God. And all this John shares with us so that his joy will be made complete as those who hear his message join in the fellowship with himself, the Father and the Son. And now that John has established both his credentials and the credentials of the one that gave him the message, Jesus, he begins to pass along what the message was that was taught. So if you'd stand, I'd like to read 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, to chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and declare it to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the message that John gives us. I pray today that you touch the hearts of everyone here so that we can hear this message. Teach us how how you are light and how the light reveals what we are, but how through that light we can be saved through Jesus how you purify us and draw us into fellowship with you and with fellow believers. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. Please be seated. When we read through these verses, we see an organization kind of take place. We see in chapter 5, in verse 5, John presents to us the message he's heard from Jesus. In verses 6 through 7, he tells us how that message applies to our lives, to us. And in verse 8 through 10, he repeats the message and clarifies it. And then he concludes his thoughts about sin and atonement in the first two verses of chapter 2. So the message in verse 5 is this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And the application in 6 and 7 is if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. And then he repeats it in verses 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and the word is not in us. And then he concludes in, in chapter 2, my dear, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So John begins in chapter 5 by reminding us of the source of the message he's imparting to us. This is the message we have heard from him. John heard this message from Jesus, who established, who he established in verses 1 through 4 is the eternal life, the word of life, who is with the Father in the beginning and came to earth in flesh who tells us in the first verse of his gospel in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So now John is revealing to us the message that he heard from him. There could be no greater authority. John is passing on what he learned about God from God. And he says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. This is the essential message John heard and presents to us in his book. God is light. There is no darkness in him, no lurking shadows, no hidden agenda, no contradiction. God lights the way for us to eternal joy with him. There's not darkness, there's no despair in God. He is the light. But ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the world has been more comfortable away from the light, hiding in darkness hiding in the shadows of the lies we've created to shield ourselves from God's light and truth but that light came to earth to reveal itself to us back to John's gospel in verses 1 through 3 he says in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. So when Jesus came with his light, that light had brought us a choice. And that choice is spelled out in his conversa- Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, Jesus tells Nicodemus, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it might be be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So now that the light has come, we can come into the light, or we can continue to live in darkness. And darkness is a very comfortable place to be. We can insulate ourselves from the light with any rationalization or lie that we choose. We use it to block the truth, the truth of our failings. And you don't have to look around very hard to see that much of the world has done exactly that. They prefer to live their lives. But the darkness is fraught with danger and uncertainty. And there is no light to illuminate that danger and show us the truth of the world around us. Years ago, Don and I were watching my mother's cat, Pookie. My mother named it Pookie. And the cat had done something bad. I don't know what, clawed the furniture or something else. And Don was fussing at the cat. And the cat ran away from Don and stuck its head between two books on the bookshelf so it couldn't see Don. Still get a kick out of that, the cat with its head there, and Don fussing at the cat. But this is what living in darkness does. It makes you feel better not to see the danger all around you, but you're really like an ostrich with its head in the sand or a cat with its head in the bookshelf. The danger is still there, and living in the darkness is walking blindly toward an open pit. If you picture a man in a dark room... He feels the soft fur with one hand and with the other hand a cold, sharp edge. So naturally, he shies away from the sharp edge and cuddles up with the fur. But when the light goes on, he sees that the warm, soft fur is the underbelly of a horrid, man-eating monster. And the hard, cold edge is the sword of Christ ready to save. The reason he was controlled by his desire for the man-eating monster is that he was in the dark. Everyone who loves the world more than God is in the dark. And it is a darkness they are choosing. Because as John said in John 3.19, light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. But to come into the light is uncomfortable. It lights our way and exposes danger. But we find in the light that the most prominent danger to ourself is ourself. When we step into the light, all of our sin and inadequacy is fully exposed. And we cannot hope to live comfortably with that pure light in our sinful condition, which is why God made provision for us. We read in verses 6 and 7, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin there's no gray area in John's statement we can't honestly claim fellowship with God if we're walking in the darkness of the world walking here means actively living in a certain way So walking in darkness means to be actively living in a way that demonstrates that we desire the things of this world above the things of God. Billy Sunday once said, one reason that sin flourishes is that it is treated like a cream puff instead of a rattlesnake. Sin is not a treat to be indulged in every now and then, like you were cheating on a diet. That's living in darkness. If we're walking in God's light, the danger of sin is revealed for what it is. It's a rattlesnake. It's a poisonous viper. If we're in fellowship with someone, we share the same desires with that person. So we cannot possibly fellowship with light if we're living in darkness. Walking in the light does not mean that we never sin, but it means that we see things the the way God sees them. So when we sin, we recognize that it is sin, and we seek forgiveness to make our relationship right with God. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. John later in his book in 1 John gives us a very practical example of how to tell whether you're walking in light or whether you're walking in darkness. In chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, John says, Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going, because the darkness has blinded them. So if you're carrying with you active hatred for other people, you're living in darkness. And you cannot claim fellowship with God who is in the light. Walking in the light means loving your brother and sister. So does this mean that Christians are never angry or resentful? Theologian John Stott said, Sin and the child of God are incompatible. They occasionally meet, but they cannot live together in harmony. So how are we sinful creatures with darkness inside us supposed to coexist with a perfectly holy God, with the light of God? How can we walk in the light if there is still darkness within us? John says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we make the choice to live in the light instead of in darkness, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin, past, present, and future. And we can live in fellowship with one another. That's fellowship with John, with one another, and with God. Indeed, we can only live in true fellowship with our Creator and in His light, which exposes all our sin because of Jesus' blood that purifies us from that sin. When we choose to walk in the light instead of darkness, the light reveals the dangers of sin so that we're capable of avoiding those dangers. But when we do fail, it is the blood of Jesus that purifies us. The message John has heard from Christ and passes on to us in verse 5 is that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And then John shows us how this message applies to us, that we should choose to walk in the light of God, purified from our sin through Jesus' blood. And then in verses 8 through 10, John repeats and clarifies the meaning of the message in 6 and 7. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Virgin says, if you, have, if you say you have no sin, you have achieved a fearful success. You have put out your own eyes and perverted your own reason. If we are walking in the light, our sins are laid bare. We cannot honestly say that we are without sin. God's light reveals that sin within us. The mark of a saint is not the lack of sin, but a firm awareness of sin. So if we're walking in God's light, our sin will be evident to us. When God's light first dawns in our hearts, we become aware of our failings. And as we begin to attempt to overcome that sin, the light reveals more and more. As our walk becomes more intimate with our Creator, His His light strengthens and reveals to us that there is yet more darkness that remains in us. One of the signs of maturity in Christ is an abiding awareness of our own sinful condition and a humility that accompanies that revelation. In my experience, the most mature Christians are also the most humble people. If we do not recognize sin in our life, we will never seek forgiveness for it. Denying our sin is part of what it means to hide from light and walk in darkness. Confessing our sin is part of what it means to walk in light where our sins are fully exposed. We may feel like if we claim that we are without sin, we are living in fellowship with God. But really, denying sinfulness cuts us off from that fellowship. The word confess here means to deny, means not to deny, means to admit. Fully admit that we see things the way God sees things. If we are walking in the light of God, we are seeing things the way he does. We are recognizing that we have sin in our life, and we're freely admitting that we need help and we need forgiveness. Christian joy is found not in trying to achieve perfection by denying sin, but in recognizing our own brokenness and celebrating the grace and forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ. There are probably very few people today who think they're perfect, but there are not too many who want to think of themselves as sinners. Many will try to excuse their actions with, I make mistakes or I'm not perfect or I'm only human. But these words don't always come with the realization that they're sinners. And we need to be careful because if we do not admit the sin in our life, we're in a very dangerous place. Because God doesn't forgive, I'm only human or no one is perfect people. He forgives people who confess that they are sinners. And our victory and forgiveness comes from saying, I'm a sinner, but I have a Savior who cleanses me from that sin. Theologian Trapp says, No man was ever kept out of God's kingdom for his confessed badness, but many are for their supposed goodness. And in verse 10, John says, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Verse 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. John wants to absolutely drive home the importance of this. Not only is the claim of sinlessness self-deception, it's blasphemy. To say that you have not sinned at all is to call God a liar. If we say this, his word, the word of life, He's not in us. John wants us to understand that God's light, in God's light, he sees us for what we are, sinful and evil. That's God's assessment of us as an impartial judge. But John continues in in the next chapter to say that we have an advocate that stands for us. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So John, after telling us how unavoidable sin is in our life and claiming that if we say we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. He begins with, I write this so that you will not sin. John here is recognizing that some people may take his words and come to the erroneous conclusion that since we're all sinners, it's fine to go ahead and sin and later ask for forgiveness. After all, it will be forgiven, so we should just feel free to go ahead and sin. But that type of thinking is not at all in line with what John presented. A person who approaches sin with the idea that God will forgive me for it later is not walking in the light of God, is not walking in the fellowship with God. But John doesn't want anyone to arrive at the conclusion that we should just shrug our shoulders at the sin in our life. He's writing so that we will not sin. It may be inevitable that we will, but that is not God's desire for us. Sin may be inevitable for us, but it's not because we have not been given the resources, the spiritual resources, to conquer sin. Sin comes because we're not willing to constantly rely on Jesus as our strength. However, we should always strive to remove the sin that we find in our life. But, when we do sin, we have a defender. An advocate who speaks to the Father in our defense. If you picture with me a heavenly court, it's as if we stand accused in that court. Before us, the righteous judge, God the Father. And our advocate stands up to answer the charges. Instead instead of defending us, he says, He is completely guilty, Your Honor. And now he makes a full and complete confession to you. The gavel slams and the judge asks, What should his sentence be? And our advocate answers, His sentence should be death. He deserves the full wrath of his righteous court. But then her advocate says, Father, this one belongs to me. I paid his price. I took the wrath and punishment from this court that he deserved. The gavel sounds again, and the judge cries out, Guilty as charged, penalty satisfied. (laughs) We are all sinners. We're all guilty. But Christ has taken our punishment so that we can walk in the light of God and have fellowship with him. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your light. And thank you for enabling us to find a path in it, for giving us creatures of darkness a way to walk in your light through your Son. Thank you for Jesus who takes the darkness in our life and purifies it so that we can be in fellowship with your light. Help us to never think of ourselves as perfect people that do not need a Redeemer, but help us always to see the brokenness in our life so that we will seek forgiveness through Jesus in it. And so that we may never think of ourselves as better than those we see around us, but merely as people that have found their Savior. Teach us to love so that people see it in us and want what we have, fellowship with the light. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.